Welcome to part two of our series, Direct Climate Democracy Radio. This podcast series aims to provide context about the ongoing local climate justice campaign, the El Paso Climate Charter, in a backdrop where the climate has been consistently betrayed by politicians at a state and federal level The El Paso Climate Charter focuses on bringing the fight for the climate directly to our local city government. If passed, the Climate Charter will fundamentally transform our local government to focus on transitioning our electric grid away from corporate-owned polluting fossil fuels and toward democratically-owned clean renewable energy. The Charter will create green climate jobs in the process of creating this transition to breathable, clean air. It will also protect our desert region water from the fracking boom of the Permian Basin. Unlike a generic climate policy handed down from a politician in Washington, D.C., the El Paso Climate Charter was drafted by local Sunrise El Paso organizers who have had experience fighting polluting corporations. But what led to the drafting of this policy? Why is it effective? And why is it important to fight for? To answer these questions, this episode will recount the story of the fight against the Newman 6 gas plant expansion in Northeast El Paso. We will also discuss a worldwide phenomenon of climate horror, the Permian Basin oil fields, a couple hours to our east. El Paso is a neighbor to one of the world's most dangerous environmental catastrophes, the Permian Basin. As El Pasoans, many of us have family members or friends who have taken jobs working in the oil fields near Midland or Odessa. It is part of the El Paso life to hear stories of workers being exposed to dangerous drilling machinery or toxic chemicals or back-breaking 12-hour shifts in the fields. What is less commonly understood, however, is the massive global climate impact of this region. Climate advocates describe this region as a Permian climate bomb. Environmental groups, Oil Change International, Earthworks, and the Center for International Environmental Law have created the website PermianClimateBomb.org to explore the details of how dangerous this region of oil and gas production is for the climate globally. In the past decade, the Permian Basin emerged as the world's single most prolific oil and gas field. Located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico, the basin was producing as much oil in early 2020 as Iraq, over 6 million barrels per day. Only Russia and Saudi Arabia produce more oil on a daily basis. In the decade ahead, as the world grapples with the impacts of COVID-19 while tackling the mounting climate crisis, Oil and gas production in the Permian Basin is still projected to grow substantially, to become one of the world's largest sources of climate pollution. The Permian Basin is exploited using horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, also known as fracking, a method that requires intensive drilling and massive quantities of water, sand, and toxic chemicals. As oil production in the basin grows, so does the production of methane gas and gas liquids, a mixture of ethane, propane, butane, isobutane, and pentane. These are the toxic and climate-potent byproducts of the basin's oil boom that impact people's health and their lives. The scale of the basin's potential to produce this wide range of hydrocarbons, 
not only marks the basin as a carbon hotspot, but as a major source of plastics, one of the world's other 21st century environmental crises. Spread over a mostly remote area the size of Kansas or Britain, drilling in the basin is barely regulated. Tens of thousands of wells have been drilled and fracked in the past decade, covering an area of nearly 6,000 square miles or 15,000 square kilometers. The drilling frenzy has led to waste on a massive scale. Methane gas, which accelerates climate change at over 80 times the rate of carbon dioxide, is vented and flared at unprecedented rates. A recent study estimated that a stunning 3.7% of gas produced in the Permian Basin is venting into the atmosphere. This places Permian Basin oil and gas among some of the most climate polluting in the world. It multiplies the climate impact of the basin's production, creating a toxic legacy in a vast mountain desert landscape with extraordinary biodiversity. The Permian is an absolute nightmare. It is one of the largest sources of methane climate pollution. The oil field pumps out more than 5 million barrels of oil per day, accounting for 40% of the U.S. oil supply. Burning all of this fossil fuel extracted from the Permian between 2021 and 2050 could emit 42 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide. That's equivalent to pollution from 360 typical U.S. coal plants. Data from a Harvard and Environmental Defense Fund study found, found that the Permian released enough methane waste to power 7 million homes. In a desert region experiencing climate change caused droughts, the oil and gas industry in the Permian wastes a criminal amount of water each year in order to prop up the water-intensive oil and gas extraction process known as fracking. According to a study by Earthworks, an average of six barrels of wastewater is produced for every barrel of oil in the Permian. In the whole state of Texas, oil and gas wells have produced more than 26 million barrels of wastewater every single day. The worst part of all of this is the Permian's extraction is expected to double by 2030 unless we do something about it. As a climate movement in El Paso, we should pay attention to the Permian Basin. It is fundamentally tied to the level of toxic pollution we breathe in El Paso. We've discussed in the first episode how El Paso Electric only uses 5% renewable energy to power our grid and that fracked gas is the main energy source our community is forced to use. Where does this fracked gas come from? Pipelines owned by Kinder Morgan Company shipping gas directly from the Permian Basin oil fields to the three El Paso electric gas plants which contaminate our airshed. El Paso Electric's reliance on fracked gas made the utility attractive to J.P. Morgan Chase Megabank, the world's largest funder of fossil fuel projects. 
JP Morgan is a major shareholder in Permian Basin Oil and Gas Drilling Companies, including an operator Earthworks has repeatedly busted, Diamondback Energy. Quoting from Sharon's testimony to the El Paso City Council, On December 3, 2019, as reported by the American Prospect, J.P. Morgan Chase, the bank with ties to El Paso Electric's private equity firm, Infrastructure Investment Fund, otherwise known as IIF, took a busload of investors on a tour of the Permian Basin touting Diamondback Energy as one of their investors. J.P. Morgan is one of the largest investors in Diamondback Energy. In the fall of 2019, as J.P. Morgan was plotting to dominate the Permian-linked El Paso Electric Utility Company, yet another climate and health-destroying scheme was set in motion, a plan to invest $163 million in further fossil fuel expansion. of a climate crisis. As a border city, we understand that the environmental collapse will create millions of climate refugees and amplify the existing systems of oppression, including poverty, racism, and war. El Paso is the 10th sunny city in the world, yet because of El Paso Electric Company, we only use 5% of our renewable energy. It is because city council has failed us and allowed private corporations owned by JP Morgan Chase to tighten their monopolistic control over our electric grid. El Paso's major source of energy is fracking, a form of fossil fuel extraction that dumps massive amounts of greenhouse gases into our atmosphere, contaminates our groundwater, causes earthquakes, and other environmental and climate catastrophes. Through polluting pipelines, our grid is hooked up to the Permian Basin, the largest and most destructive oil and gas shale. Permian Basin is the epicenter of the fracking boom, which not only services El Paso, but the rest of the world as well. In the midst of these endless layers of injustice, El Paso Electric thinks it's a good idea to increase the amount of fracking energy in our grid. They are proposing a massive 228 megawatt gas plant expansion in Northeast El Paso called Newman 6. Newman 6 would increase the Newman Generating Station's carbon dioxide emissions to 1.3 million tons per year. This would worsen respiratory health during the devastating COVID-19 pandemic. It would increase ratepayer costs by $18.6 million in a time of economic uncertainty, and it would lock us into 40 more years of energy coming from fracked gas. This Human 6 project can be stopped. El Paso Electric's application can be denied on a state level through the Texas Commission of Environmental Quality or the New Mexico Public Regulatory Commission. But we don't need to rely on these state agencies, since our local government has autonomy. City Council has the authority to reject this plant, but they need to be pressured into taking action. On December 8th, a coalition of community groups and environmental experts delivered to City Council an open letter which laid out the legal paths that our local government can take to reject this dirty energy project. El Paso City Council needs to feel pressure. Our community must stand up to El Paso Electric, JP Morgan, the Permian Basin, and the climate apocalypse. What you heard there was a video that Sunrise El Paso organizers created to sound the alarm on Newman 6, El Paso Electric's 163 million expansion of the Newman gas plant to increase the station's frac gas generation capacity by 228 megawatts. If built, El Paso Electric planned to maintain this dirty energy monster for over 40 years. The Texas Observer newspaper covered the outrage in an article titled, quote, the sunny city in Texas is expanding. 
dot 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 natural gas production. Even before the J.P. Morgan buyout of El Paso Electric, the Newman Generation Station gas plant located in northeast El Paso served as a menace for our community's health and the climate. The audacity for El Paso Electric to expand the already crisis level of fossil fuel usage in our community proved our worst suspicions to be true. That J.P. Morgan buyout would only manifest J.P. Morgan's fossil fuel extractionism locally. They doubled down on their commitment to climate destruction. It demonstrated the violent doctrine of our privatized utility, pollute and profit at any cost, despite community concerns. Back in 2020, Newman 6 was only a proposal by El Paso Electric, a permit which could be rejected by a local government or by the state of Texas. Naturally, one of the most concerned community members were the advocates in the frontline community of Chaparral, New Mexico. Before long, a group formed to reject the Newman 6 proposal, the Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and the Environment, CCCHE. CCCHE leaders included Dr. David and Aida Garcia, local advocates with the organization Chaparral Parents in Action. There was also Dr. Janet Lara, a lifelong Chaparral physician who returned to her community after completing medical school to run a local health clinic. Religious leaders of a local Chaparral church, the Sisters of Assumption, also joined the coalition to reject the fossil fuel project. The Garcias and Dr. Lara introduced themselves here. My name is uh, Dr. David Garcia. I'm a educator at, um, and we retired about 11 years ago. 11 years ago. And uh, we live in Chaparral. Uh, we live about a mile and a half from the uh, from Newman Six, Newman Six uh, power plant. But to further, I have a doctor's degree in uh, school administration. Was a school principal for many years. In fact, it was close to thirty-five years, maybe more. And um, I was a principal here in our own community. Um, I was a county commissioner. I was also a, um, a board member. In fact, I was the board president of the Gaston School District. And in all that time, it, it gave me a lot of experience and meeting a lot of people. And um, basically, we've decided to live here in Chaparral. Of all the places in the world, we chose this very place. But then we had some second thoughts but by that time, we had invested a lot of money in our properties, and and, and Ida and I love love being here. It's a wonderful place, um, but uh, we've had some problems with the plant and pollution and that kind of stuff. Um, well, my name is Ida Garcia, and I'm also a former educator and uh, and a director for libraries. Uh, we, uh, we formed our, an organization called uh, Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment, and we, we formed this group because of the Newman plant. Uh, we were very concerned about the emissions and what it was doing to us, and like my husband said, we live only a mile and a half away, and we can actually look, out, look out outside our window and see the smokestacks every day and the pollution that is being emitted. And um, I think that uh, it's, it's something that not only concerns me, but it concerns our whole community. 
and uh, I, um, I have had some health issues, and for that reason, uh, I, I'm also concerned about, about my health and breathing bad air. And I think that um, we need to, to just think about all the people that are breathing uh, the pollution. So my name is Jeanette Lara. I was born in El Paso at Thomason. Um, and, you know, I lived in Juarez for, I want to say, five years. And at that point, my parents moved to La Union, New Mexico. And then after living there for a few years, we moved to Chaparral. And here we are at the clinic in Chaparral on the Otero side. And I've been in Chaparral for all my life. The only time that I've left this community was um, when I got admitted to medical school in Arizona. So after medical school, I came back to do my family medicine training at Memorial in Las Cruces for three years. And now I'm happy to be back here in Chaparral practicing family medicine in my community and supporting everybody here. My classmates in medical school were like, I don't know what I want to do. Do I want to do internal medicine? Do I want to do psychiatry? Do I want to go to California? And everybody knows me, if you ask my classmates. Day one, I said, I'm doing family medicine, and I'm going to a rural place, and I'm going back to my hometown. I think I'm just, I understand this population, and I want to help so bad that I've never thought of anything else. Dr. Lara tells us a little bit about her Chaparral community. Um, so Chaparral is a colonia. We like to call it a colonia because it's it's an un, unincorporated uh, town. So that means that we don't have a sewage system. Uh, we have septic tanks. We also don't have city water. We have um, well water. And we don't really have a lot of support from the counties because we're split between Doña Ana and Otero County. Uh, Chaparral is very, very unique because this community is very tightly knit, I want to say. Like, we all work together to, to get to our goals, and everybody knows everybody. And trust me, if you're an outsider, we will bring you into our homes, and we will feed you, and we will introduce you to everybody. That's just how we are. Um... To understand the economy in Chaparrales, a lot of the people here do transportation. So there's a bunch of truck di- truck drivers, uh, agriculture. So they go and, you know, do the seasonal job of picking onions, picking pecans, um, all that stuff. Probably, I want to say, and I'm speculating, 90% of the town speaks Spanish only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest uh, are bilingual. Or, you know, most of the people that do speak English just prefer to speak Spanish. So it's very high in uh, Spanish speaking, um, very hardworking. And the thing that's kind of bad about Chaparral is that most of the people are uninsured or underinsured. And that's in the medical side of it. 
One of the first things Chaparral did was host community forums and dialogues with our neighbors. Since this was during the worst phases of the COVID-19 pandemic, much of the community education was limited to virtual Zoom meetings. Here are some excerpts from a September 2020 forum. Dr. David and Aida Garcia start off the discussion. Um, okay, I want to welcome everybody to this forum. I'm really excited that the people are, that are with us, uh, we um, want to be a big part of this because we're, we're very interested in, in helping out. Our organization wants to uh, disseminate some, uh, some information about, about Newman 6. And when we were asked uh, about helping out uh, with Sunrise El Paso and Earthworks, we were... Um, you know, we thought, wow, this is something we need to do, you know, and uh, uh, we, we realize that this uh, Newman 6 project is is going to affect Chaparral. And actually, one of our pillars in the Chaparral Parents in Action organization is to advocate for our community's well-being. And this is very important, and I think uh, Sister Chavela can attest to this. It is very important to mention that research has shown that huge companies such as El Paso Electric, J.P. Morgan Chase, companies uh, of uh, managing penitentiaries, landfill companies uh, are good example of companies that start their business in certain designated areas in order to establish themselves, choosing certain demographic indicators. This company's research communities with a certain ethnicity or ethnic background. They look at gender, age, in or of a deprived social economics. And in not so many words, a community that will have little resistance to the establishment of businesses that have destructive, and I want to underline destructive elements in the way they conduct business. This plant will be using fracked, fracked gas. In our, in our case, this 228 uh, megawatt uh, new plant or the new men uh, will be operating with uh, fracked gas. Yes, I, I would like to, to point that for Chaparral specifically, the effect of that burning of the poorly and strategically named natural gas to, trans to be transformed in electricity. The mix the other day when we have a meeting and a quick uh, kind of vision with the colors of what are the poison elements, that was very illustrative for me. So the fact that the gas is coming from fracking for me is absolutely no way to be approved because that is affecting deeply seriously not only the earth what is the earth producing what is in this moment the situation of the agricultural situation just for producing this type of uh, energy and it makes such a crazy situation in a place of the planet where we have hours and 
hours and hours and hours of sun. So if we are thinking not only locally, but act locally and think globally, it takes for us an approach where we really think about Earth and planet in the specific case of Chaparral. So my absolutely opposition to the fracking gas used as transformative in electricity. We have much more opportunities. There were numbers of reasons why Newman 6 was a horrible idea. It was a wasteful usage of our ratepayer dollars, essentially our tax dollars. It was also an attack on the climate, strengthening the Permian Basin fracking epicenter and pumping greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. But perhaps the most compelling reason why Newman 6 can be described as violence is the way it would worsen the respiratory health of the directly impacted frontline community, Chaparral and Northeast El Paso. As a physician, Dr. Lara talks about how the gas plant contaminants affect her patients. So growing up here, we always saw that as a landmark. Like, oh, you pass that gas plant and you get to the next street and it's Chaparral, right? So Newman is right at the edge of Texas and Chaparral is on the other side. So you can pretty much walk across to New Mexico and Texas. Um, Newman, it's interesting where it is. It's, you know, right there, like kind of near, very near Chaparral, but very, very pushed away from Tex- from El Paso, Texas on the Northeast. Um, but anyway, so growing up, I remember I got asthma, exercise asthma, and, you know, I had to learn about inhalers. And I, I remember seeing my classmates also with asthma and I thought, oh, that sucks. We all have asthma. I don't understand it. But now as a physician, um, when you really get to see the patient numbers, you know, in the thousands, you start seeing the trend and you start seeing the kids. And that's what bothers me the most. It's that it's been proven that pollution, you know, you're breathing pollution here. It's going to irritate your lungs. It's going to make you sick. And long term, you're going to develop some chronic illnesses. It's going to hurt your heart eventually when you're older. Um, you're going to develop more and more conditions. So what I've seen here in the clinic is ugh, a high, high, high amount of people using inhalers. A high amount of people with uncontrolled allergies, uncontrolled asthma. And what's interesting to me is that asthma is mainly, well, most of the time it's genetic. Like if your dad has asthma, you're going to have asthma. But this, kids that I'm seeing when I ask them about their family history, they don't have that. So I'm like, hello, there's the environment. That has to be the answer. In the campaign against Newman 6, we had two main targets. Number one, the El Paso City Council, our elected officials of municipal government who are tasked with advocating for the public. Second, the Texas state agency which holds the power to reject El Paso Electric's air permit for Newman 6. That would be the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, or TCEQ. In November of 2020, a coalition of community members protested at a TCEQ public hearing regarding the Newman 6 permit. 
At the virtual meeting, there was over 184 commenters calling on the TCEQ to reject El Paso Electric's permit. Here are some local voices from that public hearing. I will not be able to fit in all of the outrage that needs to be said regarding this permit in three minutes. But I, but I will try to do my best. Firstly, my first comment is that it is a complete lie to, see, to say that in order for more solar portfolio, more solar generation in El Paso's portfolio, we need more natural gas. There is an ocean of technical information that can disprove this. There is such a thing as clean energy storage. We don't need natural gas anymore. We are the 10th sunniest city in the world, and there is absolutely no reason why El Paso cannot have 100% clean energy. And, and natural gas is not clean energy. Simply put, Newman Power Station is already contaminating El Paso's breathable air illegally. The TCEQ has significantly decreased issuing penalties for emissions violations. And it's naive to think that they will not continue and increase this habit if this project is approved. I want to voice my opposition to any action by TCEQ to amend existing permits or any new permits to El Paso Electric on this issue. I strongly support the organization and community members that speak out against this permit. Particulate matter and other toxins, including carcinogens, will be emitted by the proposed plant, which damages our water resources, soil, and air. They also pose grave health risks to the population. These health risks include respiratory problems like lung diseases and asthma, nervous system impacts, which can and has resulted in seizures, dizziness, headaches, loss of consciousness, and other neurological problems. Um, I wanna get one thing clear, and this is something that my comrades have also stressed, is that there is no such thing as clean natural gas. And it should be said that you do not need this natural gas to go solar. And if you do your research, you will clearly see that this is something El Paso Electric is telling the community to make this proposition more appealing, but it is not true. We can go solar without natural gas, and El Paso Electric says that they're going to double their solar power. Okay, well, we're only using 3% of our natural solar resources, so now we're going to bump that up to, what, 6%? That's nothing. And in case you weren't aware, I would like to tell you that we are in the middle of a climate crisis, and we are also in the middle of a pandemic. And over the course of the pandemic, several peer-reviewed journal articles have shown that increased amounts of pollutants, such as particulate matter, is linked to increased transmission as well as higher death rates of SARS-CoV-2 virus. If approved, the addition of the Newman 6 unit would increase the amount of these hazardous pollutants in the El Paso area. This increase in air pollutants for many individuals living in El Paso area is a matter of life and death. I just don't see why we need to go right back to fossil fuels. That just boggles my mind especially now, uh, coming now to 2020, considering how many people are recovering from COVID-19, and especially how many people have uh, what have been and will be affected uh, after the pandemic is over. They already have this uh, situation as a uh, pre-existing condition. Being a power engineer living in El Paso, I reject the El Paso electric plant to establish the Newman 6 fracked gas plant in El Paso. As Americans living in the great Southwest, we must be stewards of our local resources as the generations before us have been. The world at large recognizes the threat of global warming and is moving towards a greener, more sustainable future. We, as El Pasoans, have the opportunity, privilege, and responsibility to be pioneers in this space. 
investing in alternative energy solutions that will create more jobs and rein in a more habitable future for our children. Everyone's already spoken about a lot, a lot of facts. They've already mentioned a lot of, you know, numbers, statistics, things that are important to hear. But what's important to hear as well is the human aspect of how this is going to affect us. If Newman 6 is, if the addition to Newman 6 is allowed, I would hope that y'all understand that you're complicit in all the deaths that have been going on here in El Paso due to COVID-19. Don't think for a second that these things are not connected because they are. To defend El Paso Electric's actions is to uphold and defend white supremacy in our community, as this project clearly will devastate one of the most beloved brown communities that is most proud of our brownness. After the events of August 3rd, 2019, where a white supremacist entered our city and violated our community, one would hope that our very own electric company would not try to covertly exploit a brown community that is healing from the impact of white supremacy. I want to basically ask why the TCEQ is not doing anything other than plugging numbers into their models, not scrutinizing the information, not scrutinizing the the viability of the information in these permit applications. Why are they taking the word of the person who is filing for this permit, especially when that person and that institution is connected with JP Morgan and has a history of doing all those things that are in conflict with the mission statement of the TCEQ. One of the most destructive elements of El Paso Electric's PR campaign to ram through the approval of Newman 6 at a city council level was lying. El Paso Electric engaged in, in a manipulative, deceptive disinformation campaign which flooded the halls of our municipal government. An insidious example of this happened after the devastating Texas freeze of February 2021. Blackouts left millions of Texans without power because of a deeply corrupt oil and gas production system based on fossil fuels. A total of 246 people died because of the Texas grid's extensive deregulation and because of the inherent fragility of an energy system based on fossil fuels. As we know, El Pasoans were lucky enough not to suffer through this like the rest of Texas. February 19, 2021, the El Paso Times published an opinion piece by El Paso Electric CEO Kelly Tomlin. The article was titled, El Paso Fared Better Than the Rest of Texas During Extreme Weather. The CEO weaponized the misery of millions of Texans to tout El Paso Electric and lobby for the Newman 6 methane gas generator in northeast El Paso. The article argued that, quote, we have all been reminded this week that strength really does come from diversity. El Paso Electric's advocacy for, quote, fuel diversity is a sleight of hand trick to promote more fossil fuels. In the same article, Tomlin lobbies for the Newman 6 expansion project in a manipulative way, implying that El Paso Electric's exception from the Texas freeze was a result of El Paso Electric's fossil fuel infrastructure. Tomlin warns that Newman 6, quote, will serve us well when Mother Nature strikes again. The El Paso Times quickly published a response opinion piece, which pointed out the clear flaws in Tomlin's Newman 6 arguments. In the article titled, 
El Paso Electric's Texas Freeze success argues against, not for, Newman's sixth generator. The most obvious hole in El Paso Electric's argument was highlighted. Unlike the rest of Texas, the El Paso regional grid is part of the Western Interconnection Network, which incentivizes utilities to winterize and is subject to federal oversight. In her article, Tomlin conveniently failed to mention that EPE was not a part of the deregulated Texas grid ERCOT. To combat El Paso Electric's lies, Sunrise El Paso launched a video series education project which directly debunked El Paso Electric's claims. The series was called EPE Mythbusting. Expansion of Newman 6 is only going to provide the generator's emissions to increase to 1,335,550 tons per year. From this data alone, El Paso Electric should refrain from greenwashing their corporation, which is misleading the community members they claim to be serving. Representative Hernandez, now that you're aware, we demand that you reject Newman 6. It is important to reject Newman 6. There is a misconception that city representatives can't do nothing about it, but there is. There are three things you could do, and they are the following. You can amend the El Paso City Ordinance 16090. You can exercise Franchise Agreement Section 3, which is a police power provision, or you may request a public utility rehearing to reflect Newman 6 accurate ratepayer costs. Despite having some of the highest solar potential in the world, El Paso Electric is doubling down on frack natural gas because it's more profitable. The Texas freeze is a stark reminder that Mother Earth is responding and the effects of climate change are devastating and unpredictable. When you hear stories of praise of El Paso Electric handling the storm, it is often overlooking the fact that their practices contribute so much to the conditions that are causing storms like this one, which is why they need to double down on solar instead and become a leader in this moment. El Paso Electric's manipulative tactics reached the El Paso City Council in three separate legally researched letters to City Council. Advocates provided a clear blueprint for our elected officials to take legal action to block Newman 6. Lawyers from advocacy groups like Earthworks and Earth Justice spoke up. They established Newman 6 was an overly expensive energy project and that City Council could take proactive action against Newman 6. City Council refused to take any substantive action, even though they gave lip service to the community about opposing Newman 6. On October 12th, the City Council unanimously expressed its disapproval of Newman 6. Groundswell community opposition was impossible to ignore. But this toothless resolution did nothing to legally or physically prevent El Paso Electric from going through with the fossil fuel project. Why? They believe El Paso Electric lies and the lies of their own city attorney. El Paso City Attorney Carla Neiman is a major figure which informed the policy creation of the climate charter. As city attorney, she is charged with advising elected city council members on policy decisions in the fight against J.P. Morgan. A majority council members voiced a similar sentiment as they did in the fight against Newman 6. 
I oppose this thing that's happening. Whether it's the JP Morgan buyout or the Newman 6 expansion. But I am not going to take any legal action against it because my attorney is advising me not to. My attorney is advising me not to because we are scared of the power El Paso Electric holds. The opposition campaign against Newman 6 reached a climax of pressure in March of 2021. Our coalition was able to squeeze a time slot into a regular city council meeting. Community members, experts, lawyers, and engineers from our side of the fight prepared a comprehensive, indisputable case to the city of El Paso. The presentation established four points clearly to city council. One, Newman 6 would be harmful to health and climate. Two, Newman 6 is too costly, too much of a burden for ratepayers. Three, Newman 6 can be replaced by renewable energy. And four, steps on how to reject Newman 6. Testimonies were drawn from the following advocates and experts. Dr. David Garcia from Chaparral Parents in Action, Angel Ulloa from Sunrise El Paso, Sharon Wilson with Earthworks, Joshua Simmons with Eco El Paso, Rick Gilliam with Vote Solar, Sarah Gerson, attorney with Earth Justice, Mark Jacobson, civil engineer and professor with Stanford University, energy policy analyst Ryan Brown, Michael Goggin, Grid Strategies, Aaron Minces, Attorney and Senior Policy Counsel with Earthworks, and many others. This presentation to City Council was supplemented with a written document that listed the coalition's sources and testimony. This packet of written testimony, packed with proof of our legal and engineering arguments, was a total of 61 pages and it is still publicly available at bit.ly slash Newman6packet. How did the city council and the city attorney respond to all of this work? They absolutely ignored it and acted like it never happened. City council did not take any of the actionable items the presentation demanded. These included amending El Paso City Ordinance 16090 to condition land use agreements, exercising Section 3's police power provision of the El Paso Electric and City of El Paso Franchise Agreement, and requesting that the Texas Public Utility Commission intervene in the case. City Council did not even attempt any of these pathways to reject Newman 6. It felt and was disempowering and disrespectful. City Attorney Carla Neiman's behavior in this City Council presentation provided an indication of why City Council refused to take action. Neiman was hostile towards presenters. It was clear that the City Attorney's Office fear-mongered our elected officials to take any action against Neiman 6 because of fears of EPE's retaliation. 
What you'll hear next is a clip demonstrating Attorney Neiman's attempt to discredit the presentation by attempting to attack the character of our coalition and bringing up minor clerical issues. After Earthworks attorney Aaron Mintz finishes describing the legal routes the city of El Paso can take to reject Newman 6, council member Rodriguez interrupts the presentation. Like other council members, she has been conditioned by Carla Neiman to block out any policy suggestions from our coalition as quote-unquote legal advice. Neiman's manipulation strategy is actually brilliant. She establishes that counselors can only listen to quote-unquote legal advice from herself. She then paints all of our presentations as quote-unquote legal advice, essentially erasing our entire presentation as something that city council should consider. We're urging the city to amend the ordinance to create a little bit more power to the city and to the people, and then finally to perhaps to seek resolution again before the PUC in light of the changed circumstances described earlier. Thank the you, Mayor, I appreciate your time. Mayor, this is Representative Rodriguez. I'm sorry to interrupt, but can, can I please get clarification from our city attorney um, that we're not in fact receiving legal advice at this moment? Thank you. Ms. Neiman? Um, members of council, this this item was put on by Representative Sanello and Representative Schwartzwein, who invited this group to speak. Um, several members of the group have uh, stated that they are lawyers in other parts of the country. They are not lawyers in the state of Texas and are prohibited from providing you with legal advice. Number two, my position on this item is Earthworks is uh, an entity that feels very strongly about renewable energy. The question that I have for the group is, if they were so uh, willing to make these arguments in New Mexico, why they did not make the same arguments in the state of Texas, where El Paso Electric and the PUC have jurisdiction over the utility that is provided and the electricity that is provided in El Paso? So uh, I would remind council that although the group appears to have uh, some knowledge of information about the workings of El Paso Electric, they uh, have not been hired by this council to provide you with legal advice and should be considered um, on its face value the opinions of uh, a group that appears to have some um, opinion or policy position in regards to El Paso Electric. And Mrs. Neiman, if I can, since I posted, I uh, was one of the members of council that posted this item. Um, first, I want to say that um, Earthworks was very clear at the beginning of this presentation that they were not giving legal advice. Um, secondly, if you remember about four council meetings ago, I asked that our legal department would put together an executive session item to discuss these legal matters. Um, you and I did have a follow-up conversation with that. That item has not yet been presented to council. Um, again, this group has made it very clear that they are not presenting a legal argument. Their presentation has gone through the city's legal department. Um, and any conversation in regards to um, the legality of these options, I would hope that we would have already had or will have with you on a separate item. So thank you for allowing me to clarify. So number one, Representative Anello, that executive session item will be on the 29th. Number two, I have never seen this presentation and it was not cleared by our office and had it been sent to me i would have made a conversation and had a conversation with this group about the the arguments and the conversations and the opinions that they have expressed here today so absolutely not ma'am 
my people did not see this presentation. In a municipal government that is not corrupt and dysfunctional, a city attorney would gladly welcome resources and perspectives from community members in a difficult power struggle between the city government and the rival corporation they are charged with regulating. However, in the case of El Paso, the city's bureaucracy passionately defends the corporation instead of the people. Neiman's hostility towards presenters was so bad, District 1 representatives spoke up. Mayor Oscar Leeser stops Fortfine from communicating his grievances with Carla Neiman publicly. Mayor, I'd uh, requested to speak. Uh, go ahead, Representative Schwartzwein. Thank you. Um, I want to thank the public for coming out. I want to thank uh, Miguel Escoto and the other um, guests that were there. Um, I apologize for the lack of decorum um, that was given to our guest presenters by some members of this council. Um, I find it particularly disappointing. Uh, Mr. Schwartzwein, Mr. Schwartzwein, um, let's yeah. keep this professional, please, because then we're doing what you're talking about. So please keep it professional. No, I, I, I know. I, I understand I, that, sir. But um, no, I would appreciate the keep well, this yeah, professional and and I would appreciate yeah. it. And I thank the public for for participating. Carla Neiman is not an exception. She is a manifestation of El Paso Electric's systemic takeover of our local government. Throughout this period, the most malicious lie El Paso Electric spread is the concept that the municipal government has no legal authority to regulate the private utility. City Council refused to act on Newman 6 because the non-elected bureaucracy, which manipulates the council members, including the city attorney's office and the city manager, are captured by the interests of El Paso Electric. The fight against J.P. Morgan and the fight against Newman 6 both demonstrated this. It is an understanding which largely informed our drafting of the El Paso Climate Charter. electric for what feels like forever now and for the past year we fought relentlessly to stop human sick and many of you here have been with us since the beginning and you're still here we're still here and it's still fuck El Paso electric <laughs> thank you um that's my train <laughs> but um yeah but we have a whole fight ahead of us still and we still need you we take it to city council and we do have allies on our side. But we need to continue to apply the pressure and pledge today that whoever is for Newman 6 will not be back in office come re-election time. Yeah. So, we have that power and it's time for us to use it. Although city council betrayed us spectacularly, our movement did not quit the fight. Our sights were set on the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, or TCEQ, a notoriously fossil fuel friendly environmental agency. In Texas, a polluting project like Newman 6 would require a TCEQ issued air permit. In theory, if the proposed polluting project contradicted the interests of health and environment, the state would reject this permit. However, in practice, the TCEQ rubber stamps permits. 
the agency has systematically set up impossible requirements for the community to actually overturn a corporation's proposed air permit. It is almost guaranteed that a pollution permit like the one El Paso Electric submitted for Newman 6 would be approved by the TCEQ. However, there was a chance, however small, that it could be rejected. Our movement decided that that small possibility was worth a try. Because of pressure previously placed on the TCEQ by our public comments, the agency scheduled an important meeting for the fate of Newman 6 on June of 2021. This was the preliminary hearing for the prospect of a contested case hearing. Under the TCEQ's process, community members have the opportunity to win standing in what is called a contested case hearing. This contested case hearing is the equivalent of a litigation trial between the corporation applying for a pollution permit and the community protesting this application. Again, in theory, this is where the TCEQ can decide to reject the permit, although it rarely does. However, to even qualify for a winning standing in this trial, the state puts up difficult barriers for the community. For one thing, the TCEQ does not do a sufficient job notifying the public about this preliminary hearing. This is especially the case in a high Spanish-speaking community like Chaparral. Secondly, the TCEQ has created an arbitrary rule for standing qualifications, which is designed to prevent community members from gaining access to this legal process to sue corporations. Peer-reviewed scientific studies have demonstrated that pollution can travel as much as 20 miles in distance, yet the TCQ has a history of providing limited standing only to people who live within one mile of a polluting facility. According to this agency, those who live further than a mile away from pollution sources are not affected an idea that is easily debunked by numerous studies on emission traveling distance. Nonetheless, our coalition, led by Chaparral advocates, worked hard to organize the community. Our goal was to inform and mobilize as many Chaparral community members as we could to attend this preliminary hearing in June. The more protesters and the more impactful their stories, the more likely it was for the TCEQ judge to grant us standing in this lawsuit. Because of the progress of the campaign which led to this point, the coalition was able to fundraise to get lawyers from organizations like Sierra Club and the Environmental Integrity Project for the Chaparral community. Sunrise El Paso organizers provided presentations at the Garcia's backyard and in Spanish in local churches. Many Chaparral community members were interested in testifying, recounting horrifying stories of how the gas plant affected them. Some contracted respiratory illness for the first time in their life because they moved to Chaparral, close to the gas plant. Others suffered so much they needed oxygen tanks. The undocumented protesters we spoke with 
considered carefully whether to participate, knowing they would have to provide information to the state. To bridge any gap in communication between English and Spanish, Sunrise El Paso organizers served as translators between community members and the lawyers. Aida Garcia from the Chaparral Coalition for Health and Environment reads parts of her testimony and tells us about her experience providing this testimony. I am over 18 years of age and competent to give this declaration. I have personal knowledge of the following facts and if called as a witness could and would testify competently to them. As to those matters which reflect an opinion, they reflect my personal opinion and judgment on the matter. I am a member of the Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment, Earthworks, and Sierra Club. I live in Chaparral, New Mexico, right on the state line with Texas. The Newman Generating Station, one of the largest sources of air pollution in El Paso, Texas, is approximately 1.7 miles from my home. I see emission plumes from the Newman Generating Station every day from my home. I know that these plumes contain particulate matter and volatile organic compounds, NOx, and other harmful pollutants. I am a cancer survivor and concerned about my health. I recently developed small growth in my lungs, which my doctor suggested could be due to environmental exposure or dust or particulates. I am frightened that air pollution from the Newman Generating Station and other sources of air pollution in El Paso will further compromise my health. I enjoy gardening outdoors and am worried that I will be unable to spend as much time outside if pollution levels continue to increase. I am also worried about the effect that that increased pollution will have on my plants, which are a source of food for my family. If EPA's November 30, 2021 action designating El Paso as an ozone non-attainment area were overturned or delayed, this would delay needed action to reduce pollution in our community. My family and community would suffer adverse health effects and other impacts. I declare under penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct, executed on February the 25th, 2022 in Chaparral, New Mexico. Ida Garcia. Can you walk us through how this public hearing went? Well, I I didn't know what to expect. And I think that, uh, I I mean, I I was stressed out just knowing that I I was going to be asked questions. And uh, um, I went through my notes. I, I, you know, really thought I was prepared. But when it came right down to uh, the questions that were, the attorneys were asking me, some of them just blew me away because um, he started really uh, pointing out that we weren't that close to the plant, that we were more than a mile away. And because we were more than a mile away, we would not be affected. And I, I was just like, you know, just totally uh, puzzled by by how he was showing a map and the distance and trying to make a point of how far we were from the plant. And uh, that in itself, you know, just kind of took me in 
you know, uh, by surprise. And, uh, uh, and, and my neighbor, our neighbor was the same way. She said, I, I got so nervous and she had written a few notes down. And then he asked her, why do you, why are you reading your notes? And she said, well, I, I made these notes for myself. And, and then he wanted to know if, if the attorney had asked her to write the notes. And she said, no, these are my notes. But she later on told me that it was also a very stressful, uh, she said, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I was answering the questions right. And, and both of us felt that, that we had just maybe not done a very good job. But uh, I guess at the end, we were told that we had done okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> So this was the El Paso Electric attorney, right? That yeah. The lawyer El Paso Electric hired to oppose Chaparral's voice is a man named John Riley. El Paso Electric paid the big bucks to hire an attorney from a fancy law firm called Holland and Knight. Not only has Mr. Riley defended fracking companies and chemical corporations in the past, he also exemplifies the corruption and so-called revolving door, cross-pollination between Texas state regulators and polluting corporations. Reading from his company bio, quote, Before entering private practice, Mr. Riley served as the director of the litigation division at the Texas Natural Resource Conservation Commission, which is now the TCEQ. Riley might in fact have been part of the reason why the arbitrary one-mile rule of thumb exists in the first place. So now here he stood aggressively and personally attacking Chaparral community members to convince his ex-employer agency that El Paso Electric deserves their pollution permit without any challenge. Despite their resources and corruption, they lost. Um, it, it just was was just a very difficult day for for both of us for my neighbor and I and we were the, both of us got questioned you know and uh, it, it did make it stressful I guess so yeah well the great news was that you won yes <laughs> you won you beat El Paso Electric's attorney um, yes. and all of the thousands of dollars that they paid him um, the Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment won standing. They were now officially in a legal trial against El Paso Electric. It was a victory which deserves celebration. But the fight did not stop there. We had opened the door into a trial for the climate and health. Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment versus the JP Morgan owned El Paso Electric. First, there was optimism. At the beginning of the settlement, the Chaparral community, represented by lawyers from the Sierra Club and Environmental Integrity Project, felt fairly confident El Paso Electric would drop their Newman 6 project. Why? Because of EPA ozone regulations. El Paso polluters, including El Paso Electric, emit ozone above the EPA's threshold. Ozone pollution, as we discussed in the previous episode, causes health impacts like respiratory illnesses. 
A community-led lawsuit by the Familias Unidas de Chamizal in 2018 forced the EPA to regulate local polluters to reduce these ozone emissions. El Paso Electric nearly skirted the regulations, but Chaparral's standing in this lawsuit ensured that the EPA ozone rules would apply to the utility. The lawsuit process, played all the way through, lasts about six months, past the deadline when the EPA would kick in the ozone rules. Since Newman 6 would emit ozone precursors like NOx and VOCs, the hope of the coalition was that the cost of the EPA's regulations would discourage El Paso Electric from continuing their project. Getting our foot in the door with this suit was a victory because, despite systemic barriers, we delayed the project enough to prevent El Paso Electric from avoiding important EPA regulation on ozone, which had the potential to topple Newman 6. Tragically, as a manifestation of the broader climate and health crisis of this country, El Paso Electric's financial capital overpowered the Environmental Protection Agency. It was always a foregone conclusion that the TCEQ would grant El Paso Electric their pollution permit. The TCEQ is hopelessly and systematically captured by industry as an environmental agency. Yet, the Chaparral community held critical leverage over El Paso Electric. They held the power to squeeze out the full length of the trial to ensure EPA regulations would kick in before the TCEQ granted El Paso Electric their pollution permit for Newman 6, placing enough burden on El Paso Electric to drop Newman 6. The strategy seemed viable until El Paso Electric demonstrated the full extent of their financial capital. For the first time since the campaign began in August 2020, the community built enough people and legal power to sit at the negotiating table regarding this $4.3 billion corporate merger. Throughout the lawsuit process, El Paso Electric begged the Chaparral community to settle, offering minor environmental concessions to the community. Chaparral never budged because they knew they held the power to force EPA regulations on El Paso Electric if they played out the lawsuit process until the end. All of Chaparral's previous leverage crumbled when, in August 2021, El Paso Electric offered the community a settlement package which conceded to voluntarily adhere to the EPA ozone regulations, the same regulations the community sought to force through the delay caused by completing the lawsuit. By offering to follow EPA regulations preemptively, El Paso Electric signaled they have enough financial capital to shoulder ozone regulations and still move forward with Newman 6. The community felt pushed into a corner. They lost their main leverage because El Paso Electric was too powerful as a corporation. The EPA's system of ozone reduction allows corporations to purchase a license to pollute through the pollution offsets. In an ideal world, if the government wants to force a corporation to reduce emissions, they would knock on the business's door and say, hi, you're legally required to reduce emissions at this site. Do it or you're in trouble but that's not how the federal ozone system works. They allow corporations to keep their site's current pollution the same, requiring only for the company to buy offsets of emissions at another location. The community could not depend on the TCEQ to reject El Paso Electric's Newman permit at the end of the lawsuit because they are hopelessly captured by industry. 
El Paso City Council failed to take political action against Newman 6, despite being given a legal roadmap of how to reject El Paso Electric's plans. At this point, the community decided settlement was the only way to gain some material wins. There was no alternative. Dr. Lara and the Garcias discussed the difficulty of this period of the campaign, the dilemma of whether or not to settle. One of the things that I want to impress about people is it's like a journey of a thousand miles and one step at a time. And sometimes we tend to get frustrated if we don't look like we are gaining too much mileage. But uh, that's the way fights are won. You know, you have to struggle. You have to... um, you have to be dedicated to what you're doing. And I'm, I'm still convinced of to this date that, you know, having good, clean air is something that everybody in our United States and America and all over the world should strive for. And I, I don't think the settlement was um, equitable, I guess. I mean, I, I, I probably would have decided not to settle, but we were kind of at a point where if we didn't, you know, it, we might not have even gotten what we did. And even what we got was not enough because of all the damage. It was a very, it's like my husband said, a drop in the bucket. At first, when I was talking to the Garcias about it, to the sisters, we were pretty determined to fight all the way because we know that this is going to affect our, our kids, our youth here in Chaparral. And it's already affecting our elderly. But we wanted to go all the way. And we had a lot of conversations where we were not agreeing even. Because one of us was saying, no, let's go all the way. And then the other person was saying, you know what, let's let's just um, settle. And then I would admit to, that I was one of the persons that kind of thought about it and sat down and and you know I I understand a little bit of politics from my my career you know hospital politics and city government stuff but anyways um when I talked to the other people that were deciding I told them you know settlement doesn't mean we lose we've already done so much like we spoke up we stood up against them they cannot quiet us down and they need to know that so the settlement was not like a oh you guys lost nothing's gonna change you're done no it's not i think the settlement gave us a door into this fight like it gave us something to look forward to Through fierce negotiations, the Chaparral community was able to force the following concessions from EPE. These millions of dollars worth of environment concessions are a result of a year of consistent grassroots movement building. Here are some of the key victories. 1. We forced EPE to legally commit to never expand the Newman facility at Chaparral ever. This is significant since El Paso Electric had previously published plans of a Newman 7 and Newman 8 at Chaparral. Our coalition disrupted these business plans. 2. We forced a four-year moratorium on any fossil fuel projects in El Paso Electric's service territory. As far as we know, 
It is unprecedented in the U.S. for a for-profit monopolized utility to make this type of commitment. In four years, much can happen, including full democratization of the utility at a local level or a federally mandated ban on fossil fuels. What else can happen before this four-year relief finishes? El Paso can establish a climate charter that builds more. Three, we forced El Paso Electric to legally commit to shutting down two polluting gas turbines at Newman and Rio Grande. One of the worst parts of living under a utility that is a corporate dictatorship is that El Paso Electric Company can make promises to the public, but do not have the legal requirement to follow through. To sell the public on Newman 6, EPE promised to retire two older gas plants, but never filed the paperwork to do so. The coalition's organizing forced them to legally commit. Number four, we forced El Paso Electric to preemptively follow EPA's regulation on purchasing VOC pollution offsets. Five, we forced a 40% reduction of emissions from Newman 6 from EPE's original air permit. These emissions are ozone-creating pollutants which directly cause respiratory illness. 6. We forced a 40% reduction of carbon dioxide emissions from Newman 6. El Paso Electric's original permit allowed for Newman 6 to emit 1.3 billion tons of CO2. The agreement requires EPE to reduce CO2 pollution from Newman 6 by 500,000 tons the equivalent of taking 100,000 cars off the road or planting 8 million trees. 7. We forced El Paso Electric to provide $400,000 in funds for the Chaparral community to use for health advocacy and environmental impact mitigation. These millions of dollars worth of victories are to be celebrated. Yet, it is infuriating that El Paso Electric needed to be legally sued and aggressively fought for them to grant us these concessions. Yes, we bled millions from the corporate dictator of El Paso Electric, but our coalition understood the fight was not over. El Paso Electric's three massive gas plants are still online after all, and our air is still being polluted. The Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment understood more than most that the fight was not over. In the aftermath of the settlement, El Paso Electric might have believed that they had won. They might have believed that the Chaparral community would shut up and be happy with the breadcrumbs they were given. But they would be wrong. In October of 2021, the Chaparral Community Coalition for Health and Environment held a meeting to discuss what they wanted to do with this 400,000. They decided to use the funds to keep fighting for social justice. A portion of the funds were allocated towards creating a solar co-op in Chaparral to help low-income community members install solar. A portion of the funds were used for a medical social justice program and a community education campaign to help Chaparral medical issues, sometimes caused by pollution. Additionally, a portion of these funds were used to give birth to the campaign of the El Paso Climate Charter.
I recently sat down with Dr. Lara, Dr. David Garcia, and Ida Garcia to discuss the current project of the El Paso Climate Charter and how they felt about the legacy of the fight against Newman 6. Importantly, I ask them what motivates them to keep fighting. So here in front of us, I see a very large yellow folder filled with papers and information. Can you tell me about this yellow folder in front of us? Uh, I, I just gathered everything I could and just, I wanted to keep all the information together. And uh, I've referred to it more than once because uh, I think that um, with all the work we've done here in the community and also with the organizations, it's, it's just resources and knowledge that we have more of. And every time we have something else to add to it, I put it in our folder. And I think that, uh, like my husband said, education, educating ourselves and having the resources is, is so important. Yeah, basically the yellow folder contains a lot of um, flyers, emails, articles. It's articles, speeches that I've done. They, El Paso Electric has so much money. And what they gave us was not fair, I didn't think. I mean, and no, no, I said they threw us a couple of crumbs so that we would be quiet, you know, and uh, that's an awful feeling, you know, like, you know, here, you know, have some cash, you know, and, and don't speak about it, you know, be quiet. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it, leaves a, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. We did get to retire some of those generators. We couldn't stop you know, the opening, the inauguration of, of the Newman 6. But that's okay, because the older generators created more pollution because they're old, like an old car. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay with that. The other part of the settlement was the money. So I didn't want our community to think that we accepted money and got bribed to shut up because it looked that way. No, um, the money is something that we deserve in this community because they've harmed us for many years when we didn't stand up. So I see the money as a pulling the hair out of a cat because they have millions, billions. <laughs> so I just see that as a notice us. The fight is not over. We're never going to shut up. I mean, I'm going to practice in this community forever until probably I pass away. So um and I know the nuns feel the same way and the Garcias feel the same way. And we're going to pass that legacy to probably my kid and other people. We're, we're going to start this movement. Like, we're not going to shut up until we do something about it. It's, it's the beginning of a big thing. So the settlement to me, it's an opportunity. It's a, hey, El Paso, look at this small town. We are not going to stay quiet. So um, the medical program has two parts. One of the parts is that part of the funds are going to go to uninsured, underinsured, and undocumented residents of Chaparral that are ill and can't afford their meds. So that part of the money is going to go to them to for their albuterol, their inhalers, and the, the chronic meds that they need for this pollution. Um, for this pollution... Um, caused illnesses so that's one part and then the other one's the bigger one because i get excited since i am um also the spanish 
medical director in MGY, which is a nonprofit. And the uh, point of MGY, it's I, I joined this team of other medical students who are now physicians too. So what we do is we train community health workers and then we teach them and we give them the tools to go help all those vulnerable residents of this hometown or other hometowns. So we help them by educating them about health and what to do in case you're ill and even taking vital signs at their home. So that's the other part. So we're we're putting in some of those funds into you know, their gas and their time. And this community health workers are gonna be carrying tablets where they can actually record the information. Like I went to see this patient, they're having asthma attacks every day and they can't afford albuterol. And then they'll guide them to the right people, which in this um, situation is gonna be the nuns, the sisters. And then they can go ahead and allocate those funds to help them. Um, community health workers will have the tablets that will have videos that are created by us, um, the MGY team, and even myself. I create some of those in Spanish. And this podcast will educate them about pollution. They will educate them about what's healthy, what's good to do for exercise, how to use an inhaler, just all those things. And even right now with the pandemic, it's we're gonna add some videos about how to stay safe with COVID, when to wear a mask, when to test yourself, um, all that stuff. So it's super, super important for me. This project kind of just, you know, turned a, actually completed the circle because MGY was what I was doing in medical school to help communities. And now I get to use that nonprofit with what we've done with the settlements to help our community in Chaparral. With the with the money with with the charter that is, you know, we're working on right now, I think that it will make a difference and I think that is the fight that we need to continue. When we thought about that idea, um, that it was a very good idea and it is still a good idea and I endorse that all people from El Paso need to sign up. Uh, because it's something that is necessary, something that is needed, and if we don't move quickly on it, um, time will pass us by, and we won't succeed in what we're trying to do. We're not going to stop fighting. Uh, this is the, the thing. You know, we have decided that we're going to continue the fight. And that's the way I saw it. I saw it like a fight, and that we were down, but the fight's not over. Um, maybe we got took a punch. And uh, maybe they decided they knocked us out, but we're not out. We continue the struggle. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have covered how the fight for the climate is a struggle which is happening here in El Paso. We need your help. By May 31st, we need to gain 35,000 signatures to support the climate charter in order to get the policy on the ballot this November. After finishing this series, we ask you to please sign the climate charter, which you can find at bit.ly forward slash EP climate 
charter. Sign up as a volunteer to help us gain more signatures. You can also get plugged into a volunteer program called the Climate Charter Victory Network. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sunrise El Paso and at Climate El Paso. Until next time, with love and rage. <laughs>